Hey guys, welcome to The Map, the martial arts professional podcast. I am Professor Pete McHugh, owner and lead black belt instructor of McHugh BJJ. Sitting with me is Kiyoshi Thomas Clifford. How are you, Professor? I'm glad to be here with you today. Excited about the content of our podcast. I'm doing incredibly well. Let's talk martial arts. Yes, sir. Our favorite subject. Absolutely. So we're just coming off of the uh, summit. The Empower Summit was uh, about a week ago, and it was a, a long event, international, with a lot of speakers and phenomenal content. What do you think? I, I was blown away, as I always am. Um, I have to be honest. Um, I was a little apprehensive. Mm -hmm. I, look, if any organization is going to pull this thing off, it's Empower. Yes. You know, and like John Kokinos and his team, of course. Um, but let's be honest, after a year of being on Zoom, and especially as a professional martial arts instructor, we all get Zoom fatigue, but I did not experience that. It was a, a powerful event. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, I always look at it from, first from my own perspective as a school owner and operator, is the content for me was fantastic. I, I enjoyed everything that I listened to, gleaned tremendous value, and, I, and of course I really enjoyed participating. I like to present. I always learn a lot when I present and presenting with you added a whole new dimension. And that's why we're here today and we're yeah. going to, we're going to be following up on uh, sort of what we uncovered and discovered when we did our presentation for the summit and uh, got good chemistry. We've known each other for a long time and a solid Quite rapport. A while, I would say. Yeah. And um, we can continue to deliver quality content through a podcast medium and that's that's the purpose of the martial arts professional podcast the map everybody needs a map yes if you want to get to where you want to go yes and for me you know when i think about my relationship with mr kokinos it's the the master and apprentice podcast so it's ma master and apprentice podcast and that's a big part of what you and i talk about all the time is this um, you become a novice when you embark upon a new endeavor. When you start a journey, you become a novice. And becoming a novice does require a degree of courage. But the, the big step is when you become an apprentice. And it's not so much that the master finds you. As the saying goes, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And when the apprentice finds the master is when the magic begins. Right. Yeah, and that's one thing. I mean, it's no secret you're you're my mentor, one of, you know, a handful of incredible mentors I've been, you know, blessed to have in this journey of mine. But one of the, probably the most valuable things that I've gotten from you time and time again and you, you know, you're always beating this into my head is the importance of participating in things like the Empower Summit. And I got to tell you like, you know, to have the opportunity to participate in in the presentation that was like, uh, you know, that was surreal. That was a culmination of a lot of, you know, things that happened in my life. And, um, you know, it, it was powerful for me. I had a good time. Yes, for me too. Yeah, so it was great. So let's get into it. Um, okay. Empower, you know, it's, a, it's an important network, right, within the martial arts community. And one of the things that, that I, especially since I've been participating probably for like the last eight or nine years in, in one capacity or another. So... If you guys didn't know, I, I worked under, you know, I taught at Ricardo Almeida's school. You know, Ricardo Almeida, you know, UFC legend, uh, jiu-jitsu legend. 
So I've been going to, to summits for quite some time since I was, you know, like a blue belt in jujitsu. And um, now as a school owner and even like presenting, I, I've just gotten to, I've gotten the opportunity to play different roles, um, you know, across like the last six, seven years. It's always interesting that, you know, when you go back and you, you read a book that you've already read and you swear like the book changed, they must have edited the book, something happened to the book, it's not the same book anymore, but it... It's not that the book changed, it's that we change. And right. when we change an experience that we once had, it's, it's not a review, it's a renew. And I think that's an important distinction is that some people are reluctant to review things. And I'm reluctant to review things. I don't want to go back to the same mediocrity of where I was before. So I like to renew things. And part of renewal is approaching things when you're in a different role as you become a different person. So how'd that affect you? You know, we, we had, we're able to, to stand on a stage that the Coquinos family has built. They afford us the opportunity to present on their platform. What's the pressure like? Uh, well, you know, it's immense. It's uh, John Kokinos is, is a special guy. He's an impressive person. And one of the things is, you, if you, anybody who knows John Kokinos knows that when you see him, when you're in his presence, he's going to ask you some, some deep, meaningful questions. He's going to pull the most out of you, right? So, like, you have to reach deep into that well um, whenever you're around him, you know that. So there was a lot of pressure. Yeah, man, I'm not a little kid anymore, I don't think, but I sit up straight, you know, I'm very careful about, I'm more, much more measured, and uh, and I like that. I like that. When, you know, when I'm around Mr. Kokinos, I feel like I'm held to a very, very high standard. Yes. And, I, and I enjoy that, you know, and that's a, that's a direct reflection of the respect, dare I say, reverence that he's earned. You know, he has earned it. I, you know, often we talk about the idea of, do you want to be loved or do you want to be feared? And, and words like that get thrown around. And what I want to be is trusted. Yeah. And the reason I want to be trusted is because I, I know the consequence of that. I trust Mr. Kokinos. He's trustworthy. And, um, and that's very, very inspirational. You know, it, it, it compels me to be my best. Right. It really, it, it, it holds my feet to the fire. So let's talk about the, uh, you know, we use a lot of acronyms and, and mnemonics in our teaching. I, I like to. So we know that the MAP is the martial arts professional. It's also, um, it's marketing, advertising, and promotion. And marketing and advertising and promotion, those are, uh, foundation upon which business success and success in a professional practice are often built. Um, there's an assumption that we're competent and that if we're not competent, we're becoming more competent each day in reference to our martial arts abilities, our skills, particularly our teaching abilities in running a school. But we can't disregard the importance of marketing, advertising, and promotion. So Let's start at the end. Let's go to promotion first because you've done an extraordinarily excellent job with the promotion of your school. So what are some ways in which you've done it? Uh, well, we can go a million different ways with that, but I would say first and foremost in terms of like promoting my school, it's my social media presence, mm -hmm. right? Which is um, 
and this is something that I've learned, I guess you could say the hard way. Like I've, I've spent a bunch of money on, on ads and things in the past and I, I've tried different things and naturally and organically you find out what works because you get just like when you're, you're practicing the arm bar or you're, you're practicing your front kick, you get immediate feedback on the mat. One of the benefits of social media is you get immediate feedback. So mm. if you put something out there, say a video and you get no likes and, and like no comments, it doesn't, it's not working. It's not resonating with anybody. You're not getting your message across, right? There's no so, traction. You often try to make like traction. Say tra yes. Traction, it's important. Um, so I, I've just learned over the years what, what gains traction and what doesn't. What, you know, what a style of video, what, what type of language, what type of content gets traction. And what I've found personally is when we got better at, at um, understanding our identity as a school, like what makes us tick, who do we serve, you know, the best, um, like what is our message, what's our motto, like, you know, our credo, if you will. Mm. When that kind of lined up with the videos and the, the content I was putting out, mm. we got traction. So you like your external presentation to be consistent with your internal reality. It's, it's our know? ideal. I would say it's our ideal. So we've all seen the, you know, the we go on vacation and we get a brochure beforehand once upon a time and it's of the hotel room shot with a wide angle lens and, and you get there and you're in a closet with a, you know, in a, it's just not quite what the, uh, what the marketing materials presented. And you think it's very important to make sure that your external presentation is consistent with your internal reality. So here's the thing. It's, I would say it's nearly impossible to convey on social media, especially the training effect. Something mm. you talk about, something we've all felt. Mm. You can't put that into a video. You can try. And, and how do you do it? The opposite of what that hotel does. The hotel uses a fisheye lens, lens to, to throw you off and make the room, make the room look bigger. Mm. I get up in a, like if a kid's training and you know, he's sweating and smiling, I get right up in his face with the camera and, you could see the emotion, like you could see the experience on his face. You know, I notice in your videos the, um, you know, what we experience physically. We talk about this uh, this addiction of ours, and everybody listening, uh, I'm sure they share the addiction to endorphins and dopamine and serotonin and oxytocin. And there's there there's a whole cascade of neurohormones and our biochemistry shifting to where we become very much addicted in a in a positive way to the state of consciousness that martial arts training induces now while you can't you don't experience that necessarily when when you watch one of your instagram videos but our empathy neuron allows us to recognize that the people in the video are experiencing those effects that we and we recognize that even if it's unconscious we go oh look at that guy he's sweating he's working hard he's at a peak state of consciousness he's challenged she's working hard she's being rewarded they're being recognized for their results you capture all of those things in these 30 to 60 second spots how do you do it um i mean Here's a good piece of advice. So say you don't do anything on social media, or if you do, it's just not working, you're not getting traction. Think about what resonates with you. Mm. Like we all know, like if you go on social media, you know what you don't like. Mm. And we've all seen, unfortunately, we've all seen school owners who, who do the same picture over and over, it becomes white noise. And we know what they're doing. They're doing the picture that says, look how many students are on the mat with me. That's great, like here and there, if it's positioned well, in my opinion. But 
what you want to do is the opposite. You want you want to to show the individual experience. Ah. So I, what I also noticed, though, is it's not just the individual experience of the 18 to 35-year-old um, peak prime-of-life male. You are presenting an entire cross-section, the full tapestry of what makes up your enrollment. You have men, women, and children of every shape and size and and gender and, and race and, and all, all of the things that if I'm embarking upon a new endeavor— and I want to go on my hero's journey. I know that that's going to be an obstacle course. Your academy is going to also be an obstacle course, but it also has to serve as a sanctuary. One of the things that makes that sanctuary attractive and appealing is when I see people who are already there who remind me of myself. Yes. And it seems like you do a great job with that. So it's not by accident. You no, it's, it's very calculated. You also, you tend to present groups of people training together in a very intense uh, yet cooperative manner. In other words, you're not just showing uh, a pair of students or an individual. You zero in and you spotlight, but there's always a sense of a larger community. You use the word tribe. Uh, that you're going to become a part of, that you are going to be, you will embrace and that tribe will also embrace you. How do you capture it? How do you, how do you do it? Well, I, here's the thing. Martial arts is intimidating enough. Mm. So, so you are saying how a lot of my, my content, and it's not just videos, it's not just pictures, it's, it's everything. Mm. Um, and we could dive deeper into that, you know, later on if you want, but my job is to lower every, like our our thing is making world class jujitsu accept uh, accessible, right? Not ah. exclusive. Okay. So if there are, and occasionally you will see high level, hard training sessions with my top guys. That's occasionally, and that's also calculated. That's because I want people to understand where we're trying to go. But the vast majority of what we put up there is people who are just maybe one, two, or three steps ahead of you on that journey. So you want it to be inspirational, but not overly intimidating. Like I haven't seen anybody getting their nose flattened or their no. arm hyperextended. And, and one reason is that those things don't frequently occur in your academy or in mine. If they do, we call them accidents. They're not on purposes. We're not trying to have those things occur. So that they're the exception and not the rule. So we certainly don't want to highlight those um, one in a million rare occurrences and present them as if that's what the environment is all about. We want to certainly highlight that it's it's not free of danger, but the environment is extraordinarily safe. It's extraordinarily supportive. It's structured and the training is sustainable. Talk a little bit about the sustainability. Is that part of why you put the senior students in your videos and that you see people there that have some seniority and they're still training. They're not just they're not just watching other people do it, but they're doing it themselves. Is that important? Absolutely. Yeah. So so that creates a future. So I know that I'm a novice, I'm a beginner. I haven't even started yet. But it is important that you present to me what it is that I have to look forward to. Isn't that true? 
Yeah, of course. Social proof. And Social proof. Part of your leadership, I mean, I've seen some videos where I, I'm not going to say that you're starring in the video because you tend to stick to your role as a, a guide on the side rather than the sage on the stage. But you do do a tremendous job of leading by example. How important is it that they see you do some things? Look, I, I think it's important that I point this out. Like I, like a lot of people, <laughs> I have an aversion to social media. I don't want my face all over everything, right? Unfortunately, I mean, not unfortunately, but the truth is I do have a responsibility to my community and my tribe to be the leader. Mm. And a big part of that is having my face on things and my voice in videos and things. Mm -hmm. um, that's incredibly important. And, mm. you know, no matter how strong your, your, your school's culture is, and, you know, I got to say, we have a very good culture of the school. It is safe. It is sustainable. It is welcoming. It is beginner friendly. Um, but, you know, and that that's top down. So let's talk now that, you know, those are that's like one of the big things. It's really not one because you really covered a lot of bases there. But let's let's just consider for a moment that social media and let's call it Instagram is a is a pillar in your marketing Parthenon. Um, let's go to advertising now. And the distinction there is that advertising is letting people know that the stuff that others have promoted or the marketing that's been done allows me to let others do through my advertising, it, it lets people know that I do that stuff here. What do I mean by that? I mean that uh, once upon a time, you might remember it, when Pokemon cards were extraordinarily, they were all the rage. Do you remember this or not? I mean, I remember it. It's embarrassing, but anyway. <laughs> You had people who had ran comic book stores or they uh, they dealt in baseball cards. When the Pokemon phenomenon occurred, their businesses really boomed. And many of them made the mistake of fancying themselves geniuses, not realizing that the attribution to their windfall gain was the Pokemon phenomenon. And all they had to do was advertise and let others know that they offer those products where 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 their business was. They're advertising something that's already been marketed and promoted. So that can be very expensive. It could be strategic. I, I don't say you shouldn't do it, but it's a it's a very unstable platform to build your Parthenon on, meaning, I agree. Yeah. If you're going to, if you're going to base everything you do on advertising a phenomenon that someone else has created, you're going to run into some trouble. Having said that, what kind of momentum do you think you already had going in, in your community, South Jersey, South Jersey, a non wrestling jujitsu <laughs> friendly community or would you say yeah, that look there's no doubt i'm not going to take total credit for the you know explosive growth of my school and the strength of my school it's you know culturally i'm, I'm in a good spot right i'm in a hotbed which has downsides as well mm -hmm. right um you know where i happen to be you you can't throw a baseball in any direction without hitting three martial arts schools um and in high quality ones at that but I, like i've learned from you that's not my competition those are my colleagues yes um yeah, and it's more than just the community you're in, of course. So when you go to a community where martial arts has already become the, the proverbial household word, you can just advertise and let people know, like, hey, I'm doing that stuff here too. 
and you'll you'll get some students, you'll get some traffic, you'll have some people come to see you. But if you're not contributing to that, if you're not adding to the martial arts marketing matrix through your own efforts, uh, you, you end up suffering from a parasitic situation that you put yourself into. Have you ever seen this happen? Have you witnessed this yourself over the years? Like what, like a black hole in advertising? Well, have you seen it with other with a with another business, not necessarily a martial arts school that did an awful lot of reaping but not much sowing? <laughs> yeah, we've seen it time and again. Yes. Yeah, so that and it's a mistake because ultimately that that comes back to bite you. Now let's shift to marketing a bit, like the marketing in the real sense, meaning once upon a time nobody really put a lot of stock or value in a rock with a name, you know, that came in a box, a pet rock. <laughs> But a marketing genius was able to create a demand where one did not already exist. And to me, that really defines marketing. And that, that costs millions, if not billions of dollars to do today's day and age. To really do marketing on a grand scale, on a global level, it's, it requires a budget that none of us can really afford. Fortunately, much of the marketing has already been done. But again, we continue to add to it through our ability to promote. Do you see the distinctions? I, I do. I do want to point something out, though. I think sure. there's, especially in 2021, there is a lot of crossover, though. Yes. Between the M and the P. Yes. Not so much, not the advertising, but marketing and promoting. There's so much crossover. And you do have to point out that things can go viral now that, that you do have a little bit more opportunity for explosive reach that, than you, that you didn't. And you Absolutely. can, you can affect the zeitgeist. It, you know, it's more uh, available to you than it used to be. Not only can you, but you should, you should. Yeah. yeah right now the word viral has a negative connotation, but we're going to use it anyway. <laughs> um, it, it, it's important that you're making that contribution. It doesn't only serve your school or your association, but it serves the martial arts, which serves humanity. If you really believe in what you do, I mean, I believe in what I do, you believe in what you do. Uh, a lot of the benefits of the martial arts are experienced, believe it or not, through people who don't even do it. What I mean by that is if uh, we always say that if, if, if you do martial arts, you're, you're a father and a, and a husband and you have children and you'll be a better family man. If you're a kid, if you're a sibling, you'll be a better brother to your, to your sister or your little brother or even your big brother. Um, if you're the only martial artist at the board meeting, you're going to bring a value and a, and a vibe to that meeting that's unique and others just might not bring. So much of the the benefits of the martial arts are experienced by people who don't even do the martial arts. So contributing to that marketing matrix is not only an opportunity, it's a responsibility. How else are you doing it? Give me some other examples of how you're promoting the value and the benefits of what you provide at your school. What are you doing to promote it? Uh, I mean, aside from like social media, we're in the we're involved in the community, like like anybody else is, or at least should be. Good example is next Saturday we're doing a St. Baldrick's head shaving event. So mm. this beautiful quaff of hair is not long for this world. Who mm. knows if it'll come back this time? Um, but I, but here's what I'm not gonna do. I'm not gonna, and we we already raised like three thousand dollars. It's incredible, right? Um, what I'm not gonna do is try to recruit students from that event. 
But you are going to recruit students from that event. I'm going to, but yes. I'm not going to do it actively. Like, I'm not going to have a call to action. Got you. You know? So so your, your service above self, you're doing a, a community fundraiser for altruistic purposes, but there's just no question about it that it reflects very positively on the reputation of your school. And authentically. And authentically. So what are the distinctions there? Doing the right things for the right reasons. What, what can you flesh out the bones on that yeah, a little bit? It's more? not salesy. Nobody likes salesy, right? Like, what has a worse connotation in the business world than a used car salesman? Mm. I'm not. Look, I'm not a salesman. I'm not even. I don't even really consider myself a business owner, mm -hmm. right? Like, and I got this from you. I, I own a practice. I don't have customers. I don't have clients. I have students and teammates. So let's talk about the distinction there quickly is, is that in a business, and I, I don't think there's anything, I like businesses, I'm not against businesses. I, I am a, uh, a customer of, of many businesses and I enjoy the products and service they provide. And certainly I don't identify primarily as a consumer, but I am one. Right. Um, and I, I, I'm not against business. I, I like capitalism and I, I, I like our economy, the way it's supposed to work. But a professional practice is a little bit different. In a business, much of the decision-making, if not all, is subordinated to the profit margin. And in a professional practice, decisions are subordinated to the principles that govern the practice. Meaning if, if you're a physician, you better honor the principles of medicine in your approach to your practice. Because if you don't, you're running a business and you're violating your Hippocratic Oath. It's just a, there's a conflict. Same thing if you're an accountant or a lawyer. There's a whole bunch of professional practices. And, uh, and I arrogantly and obnoxiously consider what we do to be one of them. I feel that true education, if it's approached authentically, should be approached as a professional practice where we subordinate our decisions to the principles of whatever it is that we're trying to teach. So for instance, do you, do you change the purpose of jujitsu to accommodate your need to send your children to college or do you honor the essential structure the principles, the guidelines, the concepts, the best practice of practices of jujitsu, and succeed within it. How, yeah, what's your approach? Of course, it's all done with the the best interest of the student in mind, the best interest of the school in mind. Look, let's not we're not demonizing profit, right? Somebody's got to care about the money. At the end of the day, like you need the lights on, you know, you need to to be able to pay your employees. But I, what I have found is is the the less I worry about the money the more the money comes in. That's true. When I put all of my attention on on perfecting my curriculum and making my students feel welcome and presenting that to the world as, as best I can on social media, the, they're knocking the door down. So you have a principle-centered professional martial arts practice. Yes, and, and it makes you, things easier when yeah, you do that. I, I think that, if, that, that ironically and paradoxically, the, the profit at the end is far greater if you honor those principles, that's just, that's been both of our experiences. Yes. And I'm sure everybody listening, um, if they, if you don't agree now, you'll change your mind later. So, uh, so now back, back to, back to the crossover between marketing and promotion. One other distinction I like to make between marketing and promotion is 
promotion requires a tremendous amount of effort, energy, and skill. Uh, you can't hire somebody else to do it for you. You yourself have to become a master of that craft. Do you agree with that? That's a very good point, and I'm glad you said it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if we think of the greats in the martial arts, and we can name a bunch, I'm not going to, but but any, everyone who's listening to the podcast, you know that there are a lot of people in the martial arts, instructors and founders of martial arts, people who have a tremendous amount of fame. One thing that they have in common is their ability to promote what it is that they did or what it is that they're still doing. They have an uncanny ability to, to make it fascinating and intriguing and attractive and appealing to the masses. They do that through their communication skills. They do it through audio and visual mediums. They've written books. There's a tremendous number of ways in which they do it. But the most important thing is they recognize it's their responsibility. So how, how does that resonate with you, Professor, that Profoundly. it's your responsibility? Look, I didn't, I didn't want to learn how to do all these things. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I owed it to my academy to do it. I owed mm -hmm. it to myself and my students. I owed it to the community mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to present what we do to the world. Mm -hmm. So for, give you an example is, uh, you know, perhaps you have a relationship with, uh, with the rec center in your community and you have your foot in the door and there are programs offered by the community's rec center that are either free to the community or come at a nominal fee. And perhaps you've been able to use those programs because of your unique positioning and relationship that you might have inherited. You know, it might have been given to you. It might have come through a, a relationship. And you have this unique advantage. And you're fed a tremendous number of new members by virtue of that situation. What happens when that situation goes away? You better learn some new skills. So it's important to not rely exclusively on just one funnel, if you will, or one source of new membership. Would, would you, is that a fair statement, would you say? Yeah, I agree. So what, what are you doing to ensure that you don't lean too heavily upon one particular platform? How are you spreading that out? I, I, have, I have diversified my portfolio. So here, here's our, do you want me to tell you our marketing strategy? Sure. And our, our advertising? We do no advertising. Do you know what my advertising is? I have an Abbey website. And that's, yeah, that's that, my advertising. That, that, that's a secret weapon. And I, I was, don't even put my website, web address on the internet mm -hmm. and I get six or seven leads a day, yeah. qualified leads. Yeah, I'm, I'm almost afraid. My Abbey site is working so effectively. I'm almost afraid that I'm going to end up leaning too heavily on it because it's so darn powerful. And I'll tell you what, I do no paid advertising. The only thing that I'd be willing to do is to hand it over to Abbey, which they're, they're in beta right now. They're going to start running... Uh, social media ads through your Abbey website. And I don't even know what I'm going to do when that starts going through. Yeah, I've said this before, and I'll, I'll say it one more time. Like, I, I've I've had every website. I've had every company, and, and they're going to put together a site, and it's going to work, and it's going to bring me leads and paid leads or non-paid leads and this and that and a lot of promises and no delivery. It doesn't work. Abbey's the first one that does exactly what I was told, I dis it does more. It yeah, does more it, than they said it would do. Yeah, I, I've been I've been farming out a lot of leads. Like, 
you know, my 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 youngest is, uh, you know, Kirkson. He's going to be two in August. A little early to get him on the mat. So, so right now I don't have a program for like three-year-olds, but I'm going to have to build one. In the meantime, all the leads I'm getting for three, four, and five-year-olds, I just don't have the room. I don't have the space. I don't have the bandwidth. I cannot accommodate those leads. So I end up giving them to my to my colleagues that yeah. some call my competitors. I literally am am keeping other schools populated with new leads, with new enrollments, because Abby is so effective. Are you able to accommodate all you have? Yeah, it's it takes some juggling, but yes. Are your like intro schedule loaded up? Loaded, I mean, yeah. loaded. Are my biggest problem is I keep running out of geese. Yeah, it's I'm, weird. I'm like know, express shipping geese this over is, and over and over. This is the first time, and you know, I God, I've, I've so I've been I've been running my school professionally, really since '88, 1988, and never have I had this kind of an influx of leads quality leads leads that become enrollments uh no exaggeration eight times out of ten yeah eight times out of ten the leads are converting to new enrollments solid yeah they're not bots yeah i've not had this happen in in all these years it's never occurred however I'm not taking my foot off the gas pedal. Right, nor should I'm you. not going to pump the brakes at all when it comes to the other things I'm doing to promote. All right, so so our marketing strategy is, I I just I've tried. I don't think that I have it the skill maybe, or and maybe it's just not possible for me to put an ad out on on you know Google ads or Facebook ads and entice somebody to come do jujitsu if it wasn't already in their head. I, I just learned, like I was dumping a bunch of money into it and never really panned out ever. So our, you know, strategy instead is if somebody seeks out, if somebody were to seek out jujitsu in my area, they're going to find me and they're going to find me on every platform and they're going to find like a quality piece of content on that platform. So my, my YouTube looks different than my Facebook looks different than my Instagram looks different than my blog. Um, we're across like every platform. Mm. Mm. And look, it doesn't, I know that sounds scary and it it sounds daunting. If I can learn how to do that, anybody can do it. Mm -hmm. Like I'm a history major. I'm like a, I'm like a book nerd. So what, what has it done for you? So this is another interesting part of the discussion is what is that part of running your school done to raise the quality of your school and raise the quality of your experience? How, what has it done to increase how you enjoy the way you interface with your school. Like when you write your blog. I love it. Why do you love it? Because I love positively influencing the people in my community. Mm-hmm. Does it and get, it's rewarding. It, it, it really, it, I get a lot out of it. Does it help to reassociate you with why it is that you've dedicated your entire life to what it is that you're doing? Do you, look, one of, the, one of the best things about being able to present for Empower was... You know, it was like surreal and it was nice to be on that stage with you for Empower and John Kokinos. But it was also um, an opportunity for me to to really look at what I've learned and what I've accomplished and what I really know. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so like when you do sit down to do a piece of content, whether it's a video or, you know, a blog post or even just like an Instagram post, you have to, there's a little bit of introspection that happens and you can articulate the things that you, that are already built into your soul. You learn how to articulate them a little bit better. So 
even if you erroneously go towards something like, you know what, I have to review such and such, you always end up renewing such and such. Isn't that true? Even if you went in with the wrong mindset, like, I got to review this, I got to go back over this, I got to go relive the past. Yeah, but what happens when you do that? You renew... What and and what happens that, when you renew it? It gets better. Yeah, you, you improve Look, it. Look, let's be honest. A little transparency. We, we were talking about different things we could talk about on this podcast, mm-hmm. right? And we were going to talk about the extension conference. Yes. Right? And and what did I say? I just kind of threw it aside. Like, man, I don't really have one anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the class does the enrolling for me. Yes. The drive home, I was thinking about it. That's not true. Yes. That's not true at all. Exactly. They're, just like the arm bar. The arm mm-hmm. bar is not just throwing your leg over the head. Mm-hmm. You take that part for granted because you know it so well. There were a dozen setups that you cannot skip on the way to that armbar. Same when somebody comes in to enroll. There are a dozen little pieces that have to happen. So we we have these four levels, and I I don't know if it was Maslow. I'm not sure which one of the guys came up with this, but it's – there's uh there's unconscious incompetence, and that's that's when I suck and I don't even know it. And then there's – conscious incompetence that's when i suck and i know it and then if i train if i if i apply myself if i hit the books and i study and i find somebody who can help me and a resource not necessarily the source but a guide then i have a level of skill and proficiency to where i'm consciously competent and then i get to a point that could be very dangerous where i become unconsciously competent where i'm really good at something and I don't even know quite why it is that I'm good at it. Right. And I'm not even aware of the fact that I'm good at it. And it's at that point where I might lapse into a stupor and decide not to further my skills and abilities, to to not seek out um, another guide to get to the next level. You know, when, when uh, those of us who have grown up with Star Wars remember when Darth Vader struck down Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, he became more powerful than Darth Vader could ever imagine. And in Luke's life, in the young apprentice's life, the Obi-Wan Kenobi that was was no longer in in the realm of the living became even more of an influence in, in young Luke Skywalker's life. But it didn't stop him from seeking out Yoda. Right. He still needed a mentor. He still needed a guide. So when we get to the point where we, we are... Um, unconsciously competent when we're really good at something and we lose our awareness of it it's important to get back to which stage the rinse and repeat of we have to realize that we've we've actually become unconsciously incompetent that's the paradox because our unconscious competence keeps us where we are right but our conscious incompetence allows us to get to where we want to go and, and that's brought about by the experience that you had where certainly you have a great enrollment process. It's working extraordinarily well. The question is, can it be better? Absolutely. And what would make it better? Some more attention. Some so more like, attention, so like you more were saying, awareness, the, the good thing, system. The good thing about like sucking at something is that pain associated with not doing it well. It's a driving force. But man, we're, we're coasting so well. Like, especially with the, the website and, mm-hmm. you know, the culture, everything's coming together so mm-hmm. easily and so well, but that doesn't mean it can't be better. It should be better. Yeah. Sometimes enrollments happen and they're, they're, things are going on and whatever it is in your school that's working well, 
it starts happening on an unconscious level. You know, it's the people call that the flow when you're in this flow state where where things are happening and you know, you look at somebody, you know, a juggler on a unicycle and they're doing that while they're having a conversation and and they they're just losing track of time because they are a master of that craft. Throw another ball yeah. into the mix. Or coach or or coach Tony gets hurt. Yes. Right? Coach Allen goes on vacation. And yes. that, that cog that made everything turn so beautifully is yeah. That's why you need the system. So then you have to rinse and repeat. Right. And you got to get back to the awareness that that certainly you've achieved a level level of competence, but relative to mastery, you're you're actually quite incompetent because there's yeah. a long way to go. So I, I think this is plenty of content, you know. I, I think, you know, just to get the the podcast to launch, um, this is a good foundation to build it on. This uh the map of the map. So again, it's the martial arts professional, but so much of what we've done and what we do is built upon our marketing, advertising, and promotion. That's ongoing. Let me just, let me ask this before we close. Professor, how important is just the class itself in your marketing Parthenon for both recruitment and retention? The actual class itself. If I walk into your school while classes are going on, isn't that the best infomercial that I could possibly perceive? Isn't that the best thing for me to see? Of course. Is your class happening live? The only thing better than that is getting out there. Yeah, and I, I don't think, I mean, I'm, I don't know that the martial arts industry will ever get to a point where most of our students don't come far from referrals, hmm. right? Like your current members, that's where that's your number one marketing and promoting system right there. So in our second podcast, are we going to, I think that we should talk about the uh, learning to speak the language of personal development, but through the the voice of a serious martial artist, through the voice of a dedicated martial artist. And that's something that we have to be able to do, but we also have to encourage and help to train our staff and students to be able to do. Agreed. So can we cover that next time? That'd be an awesome topic. I'm excited. All right. I'm very excited, and it's an honor, and, and I, I, I hope everybody appreciates the content, and we look forward to getting a lot of feedback. So until the next time, we will see you at the top. Thanks Thank for you. listening, guys. Take care.